Welcome to this episode of Women to Women podcast series. Our guest today is Shweta Manier. She is a global leader, biopharma at Google Cloud. She's an engaging business development leader and relationship ambassador who has facilitated the development of health technology innovation extending across digital, mobile, artificial intelligence and machine learning. Experienced with mergers and acquisitions, she's known for selling new ideas, developing deal structures and negotiating agreements. Shweta is on the board of directors for RxSci Inc. and C-Spine. She's also on the executive committee of Women's Health Hub Springboard Enterprises. She has a bachelor's degree in economics from UC San Diego and was a medical student at Kent State University. She enjoys Indian classical dancing, gardening, and spending time with family in her spare time. Hi, Shweta. Welcome to Women to Women podcast. We're so excited to have you here with us today. Thanks, Divya. It's so great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. For our listeners, if you can just tell us what you do today and how you actually got here. That's a, that's a very interesting question. So I am, I'll start maybe from where I am currently. I am uh, at, uh, I lead the biopharma and biotech global strategy for Google Cloud at Google. And uh, as you know, Google's an amazing company. It has um, brand value, but I was curious as what it could do in healthcare and life sciences. So prior to Google, I was working for Roche or Genentech, depending on who you're talking to and, and which company that you're representing. And while I was sitting at Genentech, I remember seeing some PR around contact lens with Novartis. And I remember thinking that, you know, as a healthcare and life science person, there's no way a Google could get some sort of get through the regulatory processes. So it's um, ironic that I'm here at Google today. I wanted to actually see what's behind the curtains and how technology can be translated into this industry that's been, you know, this industry that's largely be, you know, dependent on frankly, old ways of working. Part of my background is actually I've spent time both on the healthcare and the life science side. And uh, what's been very interesting is the opportunity to come and work at Google was the way I define it, an amalgamation of everything that I've done, uh, the multitude of experiences that I've had. And the reason, or maybe more like the vision of why the philosophy why I'm here is that there's a shift in the definition between the definition of a customer from the healthcare provider side to the end user or patient, right? The patient experience should be more transformed and closely aligned to that of like a retail consumer experience, right? The transparency on price, quality, customer service. So what I'm doing here at Google is being responsible for developing that global strategy of the type of solutions that we offer in the biopharma and biotech industry, um, which is why all the experiences that I had prior to joining Google have been very important on what got me here today. So you're at the edge of two very interesting fields, right? Technology and healthcare. Do you think people who are just coming out of school today will have more opportunities in this space? Absolutely. Uh, Divya, what I think is very interesting is, you know, even if you asked me 10 years ago, would I expect to be in a technology company? Frankly, I would be, I would not have expected that I would end up here. You know, when you went to school, if we were fortunate enough to go to high school and to college, you have A, B, C, D, and E kind of tracks that you could go for. And there are certain types of jobs or job categories that you're exposed to. I wasn't exposed to this crossroads, right? Which is, you know, something, a path that I carved for myself as the industry was also shaping itself. So I'm really excited. I was a uh, guest lecturer um, at Cal, at the University of California, Berkeley. And uh, that was one of the questions that uh, the students were asking me is that, you know, how did you find these kind of jobs? And I said, they didn't exist. We are carving the path. So I hope that as these students who are finishing school, these categories will actually exist and not something that you have to carve out on your own, which I firmly believe is the case. So what did you want to be when you were in high school? What was your chosen path at that point? You know, at that time, again, 
Divya, because we had such a limited understanding of the world. I wouldn't say this is, you know, brought on us, but a limited understanding of the world. I actually thought I knew I wanted to be in the healthcare space. I absolutely love this space. Um, I was very attracted to this concept of being able to help other folks. And I loved biology. I thought I was going to go, uh, go to medical school practice and help people in that way. As I went um, through down that process, I realized afterwards that I, while I loved uh, the energy and the excitement of learning about medicine, it was something limiting for me to be at a one-to-one basis. And so, but that's not something that you could understand without going through the experiences, which is the theme of everything when I have these conversations is it's, I would never have done anything differently. It really is still the same case that that was right for that phase. And that because of the choices I made at that time, I have the experiences that, you know, lead you to the next experience. Any specific people that really helped you shape who you are today? There's definitely, absolutely. There's to, there's so many, right? But if I really were going to uh, limit it down, there's going to be two folks. Um, one is going to be my parents, my mom in particular. Uh, my mom instilled a lot of work ethic. My father instilled quite a bit of uh, community in my in my upbringing we would be planting uh, flowers in community gardens and doing a lot where he really believed that it was important for us to be part of a community, whether that's in your neighborhood, whether that's around in a school setting and or otherwise. And then I would say the second is uh, my, actually my dance teacher, what a little known fact about me. And I know Divya, you and I've had a chance to talk about this prior is that I enjoy uh, Indian classical dance. And I would say that my teacher or guru who had a, an significant impact on how I grew up, how I valued work ethic, you know, how hard you must work um, and being dedicated to something. And to be able to have that support growing up, whether I was happy or sad or crying, uh, you know, very, very, you know, good, good things were happening or not so great things were happening. Having my guru there and then having dance there was something that was a constant in my life. And I would also attribute a lot of my work ethic and confidence uh, to that experience. Now I can attest to that. Classical music or dance is not for the light of heart. <laughs> it takes a lot of effort. That's right. There is commitment there, right? You, you're in or you're out. Speaking about high schools, are there friends that you still keep in touch? And uh, how is that relationship? We all when we are in high school or middle school, we have friends. And I even see with my cousins, you know, they think they're going to be best friends forever. And you realize that as you grow, there's going to be some that peel off naturally, right? You know, different interests, different lives, different locations. There's one particular friend that I have, not only from high school, but from uh, my grade school, from middle school that I still keep in touch with. And while we have been in different parts of the country, while we have different different interests and different careers, it has been a constant uh, friendship that we've had. And we pick up every time we chat with each other, uh, whether it was around exercising, whether it's around you know our various hobbies, about shows, about various things that were happening in our lives at different chapters of our life. Uh, and that relationship has evolved in many ways, right? Before it was just where can we go out to go and enjoy versus now it's, you know, exchanging notes on children and how to get them to eat their vegetables or something like that, right? There's something so comforting in having a handful of friends, the way I always describe it is who know you from before you were an adult who, you know, oh yeah, that person actually knew me when I was, you know, making some, some 
questionable decisions with what I wanted to do with my life or, you know, things like that. So it's it's really fun, I would say. And that relationship has evolved into something that's uh, a very important component of my life. The This friend is um, a constant in my life. And probably there's not a week that goes by that we don't chat in some way or another, whether through text message, through phone or by seeing each other. When we speak to younger girls, they're like, we keep hearing about networking, but I'm very intimidated. And I try to tell them it's like making friends in high school and these relationships will last with you forever. And it's not about what the relationship gives you right away. It's how long it stays and the gratification you get out of it. So in your view, what is networking for you? That's a really good question, Divya. Networking is so important. So first thing I agree with that, with that statement, networking is like high school where you just have to go up to people and um, ask them or, you know, try to find something where you're some commonality. And I'll be honest, right? This is not, um, this doesn't energize everybody. But for me, networking is extremely important because networking is uh, where I can learn from other people, whether it's professional or personal, where you can understand how people are, have gotten to where they are, why do they think about this? Why do they support something versus another? I'm coming to a point in my career and in my life where networking is also my obligation, I think, to the next wave or the next, you know, next community, right? That I have now have some experiences that I can share to others. Networking is also very important from a, from a professional context. I don't want you to come to me just when you need something, right? I want to know as a human behavior, right? I want to know that you care about me in some way before. Right? Whether you're going to ask about my family, how's work versus what I'm seeing. And this is for those who are out there who might be um, looking for their first jobs or starting to think about their first internship. What I've seen a lot of folks do is out of the blue, they'll just text me. Uh, we might have some connection through through family. We might have some connection. Hey, I'm looking for a job this summer. Would you, you know, do you know of anything or are you hiring? I have no idea how you are professionally. I don't know what you're studying. And so the concept of networking is so important because it keeps people top of mind. It keeps people a relationship. It's not so networking is how do you develop a relationship? It's not just how you're going to get that next job. And it becomes much easier to get that next job, to get that next opportunity, to get that next speaking opportunity, presentation, funding, whatever that might be by developing and investing in the relationship first. So that's what networking means to me. You mentioned kids. When you had children, I'm sure there were many challenges, right? When we have kids is the crucial time for career as well. So what were a couple of challenges and, you know, in terms of planning and preparation, what would you recommend a young professional who's trying to balance all of these aspects of her life? There's no one answer for that, Divya. And I think that uh, when you're thinking about raising a family and having a career, it's a different balance for everybody. And I acknowledge that. I think some of the core components that were that worked for me was to make sure that I had a very good support system around me. And that could be family, that could be friends, that could be babysitters, that could be some combination of all of that. But uh, and a good partner, if that's, you know, if that's if if that's uh, what uh, folks have access to, right? So having the right balance around you um, and having more than just one person, right? Because things happen in, in life. I think the second is also to be realistic. As women, we often take a lot of burden, right? If something's going great at work, but your kids are throwing tantrums, you feel like you're you know, not the best mom in the world. We are trying to do the best that we can all the time. There's another piece that I say, and it's never perfect for myself, but I will prepare. I actually 
wake up every day between four and five o'clock in the morning because it is the only time in the world for myself that nobody needs me, not from a work perspective, not from a family perspective. And so for me, preparation is key. And so that just helps the rest of my day go better. I know that's not for everybody, so it's okay, but that's, that's what works for me. And I think that the other balance is, is being honest on the, on the work front. Some people work for startups, some people work for large companies and, you know, and everything in between in various sectors and industries. But being very open and honest uh, with your manager or with your working environment. And if it's not work, being honest with your manager, it's at least being realistic about what you can do. And don't kill yourself over this, right? Don't, you know, there are balances that can be made. And I actually believe that in particularly in the past two years, companies have had to become much more aware of this work-life balance, whether you work in a job that requires you to go in or that you are working from home like many of us. There is uh, an added magnifying glass on how you think about uh, balancing and providing the provisions as an employer. Now we're all working from home. It's a different style of working altogether. And now I think we are in a happy place. Initially, a lot of people had a lot of adjustment issues. Um, looking back at your career path, do you think you would have done anything different knowing what you do now? No, right? That's a question I, I, I receive often. I don't think I would have done anything different. And I think that is because the experiences that I had is what brought together my ability to have the position and be able to do what I do today. And I love it. I've always been a go-getter from a young age, but I didn't know what I was going after, except that it was all about learning. I told you right about my father who instilled a lot of values around community service and the concept of community and kind of uplifting everybody. Um, and as a high schooler, um, I was frustrated with some of the things that were happening in my community. And I even joined my the town's youth advisory committee. Uh, and I was the president of that while I was in high school to be able to make parks and things that were happening, summer programs and other things that were happening in our community. So now in my professional life, it all has to do with healthcare and life sciences. You know, I've taken roles where I was researching. I've taken roles where I was working as a translational, uh, in translational research, in bench research. I've commercialized idea, licensed medical devices. So everything I was doing, I was learning and I was learning another aspect of the industry. And then when I went to Genentech, that's when I saw things at a different level. I joined a team uh, by the name of Commercial Strategy, and that was where I started learning the cusp of people were excited about technology. They were trying to figure out what the mobile medical apps of the world or the IBM Watsons could do in the healthcare, but they were unsure. So all of these experiences led me, while not according to plan or not according to you know what I initially sought out to do, in a slightly different way. Uh, than I would have envisioned. I've had the privilege to work in these large organizations that now have given me the uh, the confidence and the credibility to have and lead the, the teams that I can today. Do you have any mentors along the way? Did you seek mentors or were you part of any programs? Yes. Um, I think mentors are very, very important. I think that there are what you would consider to be formal mentors. And then you also have your informal mentors, right? Formal mentors can be you're part of your company's high potential program or all of these. You get assigned a formal mentor for a period of time and they'll give you some of the advice of how to grow within your company or how to get promoted and such. But I also believe that there's something, I think somebody had told me it's called the kitchen cabinet, right? It's somewhere where you go in the back by yourself, you open the cabinet and you have all these different things in your, in your shelves and you talk to those folks. To they, Those are your trusted advisors. Those are the folks that I believe uh, that give you different perspectives and have come from different backgrounds. And so I actively reach out 
and try to learn from others who are a few steps ahead of me or significantly ahead of me, uh, or either peers who are in the same same chapter of their career uh, or life on a personal level, but they're approaching things differently. In terms of formal programs, uh, there's a lot of formal program programs out there, right? From my perspective, there's the HBA, right? The Healthcare Business Women's Association. There's a lot of these type of programs that exist, but I think that having, having mentors through through work and outside of work are going to, uh, is what I would advise. And for me was very important because I think when you go for your work, I think particularly because I've had very different roles, the mentors in that job are going to give you advice and mentorship around growing in that particular industry or in that particular company. What I want to do is how do you approach, for me, what was important is how do you approach your career as a whole? I just happen to be defined by the company I work for today, but that's not my definition of who Shweta is in the long term. So absolutely, many mentors, formal and informal, inside my company and out, and through formal programs and otherwise. So if you were not here today, what what would you be doing? (laughs) So there's uh, a couple of things, and you can tell me if there are, if this is a different question that you're going for, but I'll tell you on a very personal level, and I think about this almost every day, if I was not doing or working in this industry, I would uh, either have the dreams of becoming a professional classical Indian dancer and be on stage and travel the world and continue to learn and teach. Or in the last several years, I've actually taken a much more serious effort around my gardening um, and gardening for, for food. And so I've always had these um, thoughts around becoming a master gardener. I have to balance what is possible, but I love this concept of becoming a master gardener and teaching others on how to grow food uh, so that they can also uh, take care of themselves because not all food comes from the grocery store directly. This is great, actually, and this is so timely. I'm just trying to plant my garden. So I now know who to get to. Not officially, but I'm very happy to provide my input and, and give you some of my mistakes that I've made. See, that's the thing. A lot of times you learn so much more from others' mistakes than trying to do the right things by yourself. So in terms of joy, what gives you joy? So I've got a similar question when I was a guest lecturer at one of the universities. Honestly, it's a good night's sleep. And if you're able to sleep at night and you can fulfill the pieces that make you happy personally and professionally, I can sleep well. And that means I am happy, right? That brings me joy. For me, it's being able to work because I love it, not because I have to. And a medium to allow me to do everything else that I like to do, right? Dancing, gardening, my family, my friends. And then on a personal level, I think that there's also a small piece of me loves efficiency. So I love that I can occasionally take a work call and get my steps in for the day or make a cup of coffee while tossing together a fruit salad. So those minor efficiencies bring me a totally disproportionate amount of joy. But I think the official answer is if I can sleep well at night, that means that I'm very satisfied both on a personal and professional level. That's a great answer, by the way. I've never got that one, but I can completely relate to that. So that was a great answer. Going back to our topic, women, a lot of times we see that we make a few mistakes or there are certain qualities that really increase your efficiencies. So do you have certain qualities that you have seen throughout your career that would really help women do more, get more out of their opportunities? And what would they be? That's a really good question. And I will say, I will give the advice on what I've picked up along the way. And it's worked for me. One is servant leadership. I think that what we need to do as women is to really be much more authentic and vulnerable, right? How do we truly become much more confident? You know, I am unapologetically a mother. I don't hide that fact. I think many of us and myself included, used to not like to talk about my children because I felt that would be a disadvantage for me. And so one is 
just being authentic and vulnerable, also thinking about your teams in that way. Uh, I think that the other piece is we live in a world of social media. Everything looks like it's perfect, whether you're looking at, you know, uh, social media like Instagram or you're looking at social media like LinkedIn, right? So the next wave of leaders, what I see that works really well is that not everything is perfect. You can post things where things are not perfect. Even coming back to the concept around gardening, you see all these perfect pictures of great, you know, perfectly round tomatoes or cucumbers or what have you, right? Not everything is perfect. The other piece is in order to be able to gain more in the workplace, it's also around being able to speak up. There is a program that I help moderate at Google, um, among other places, that's open for the world. It's called I Am Remarkable. And it's an opportunity to actually talk about yourself, but not in a bragging way. I think what we don't do a good job as women is talk about our accomplishments. We feel like we're being arrogant or that we might be being overconfident or bragging or that's not how it is. You are telling facts about your achievements and you should never, ever feel ashamed about that. And so we need to be much more vocal as a whole about what we have done and not feel embarrassed. Or if somebody gives you a compliment, don't bash and kind of say, oh, no, 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 own it. And so I think that there's that piece. And then the last I would also say is also about holding the door open. There are many women in the last couple of generations who were the first, many first, first to be on a board, first to have a VP level, first to be president, first to be CEO. All of these firsts are happening in the, in the industry. And now it's our opportunity there's more and more people. You have an opportunity when you hold that elevator door open. Are you going to click, click, click to keep it closed? Or are you going to hold it open so that others can join you? And so that's another part of the servant leadership that I was talking about at the beginning. So these are what I would share that has worked for myself. And I firmly believe uh, are keys to success about how to gain more at the workplace. Thank you, Shweta. That was excellent piece of advice. So in closing, any final comments for our listeners? I would say ask questions, be vulnerable. I always advise, always keep in touch with everybody you meet. This is a small world and within a specific industry, like even like a healthcare that seems so massive, it's still a small world. Don't text when you need a job. There's an etiquette to learn, right? There's past opportunities that you can, you know, you can find different ways to continue to stay in touch, update your mentors, things like that. Um, otherwise, carve your own path. I didn't know this job existed and I would never even consider that I'd be working at a tech company 10 years ago. The last thing I'd say, it's about communication. Part of mistrust or anything that happens on a personal or professional level is just the lack of communication and understanding. So this is why I like working at health in the cross-section of health and technology, because it's like being a strategic translator on both sides and communicating it over and over and in different ways. It's less so about the tools that you have and more about your willingness to listen and willingness to communicate it in ways that other people are willing to receive the information. Thank you so much, Shweta, for your time and all of your excellent advice and for sharing your journey with us. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Divya. Thank you so much for the privilege to be here. It's really an honor to have this platform and they have the opportunity to share some of my journey with you today.